everybody. He's Coach Norman Dale. She's Myrna. I'm Shooter. No, wait. I'm Jimmy. He's Everett. She's Ollie. This isn't basketball. It's still March Madness, but it's Vikings reporting through and Ted March Madness. How are you, Drewster? Woo-hoo! I'm doing great. How are you doing, Hoosier? I'm doing good. How you doing, Shooter? <laughs> we're going to run the picket fence, Ted. This is the last shot that we got. All right? We're going to run the picket fence at him. We're going to run the picket fence in and out. <laughs> doing all right. I'm doing great today, but that just may be the antidepressants talking. Who knows? We're, yeah, we're we're rolling on to episode 55. Who do we got for 55? Scott, Scott Studwell. Studwell the, only, the only 55 that really matters, I think. Well, Jack yeah. Del was pretty good. I think he wore 55, didn't he? All the youngsters out there going, what about Barr, you idiots? Oh, Anthony what about Barr. Anthony Barr? Yeah, yeah. Anthony Barr would have to get like 300 tackles till he's 94 to catch Scott Studwell. And not ever miss a game again. And Barr is incapable of doing that. No, the only 55 that matters in Vikings history, at least in my esteemed opinion, one that Mr. Scott Studwell, University of Illinois, and the best name for a linebacker in NFL history. Yeah, absolutely correct. Well, that guy was fun to watch, wasn't he? Dude was a beast, man. I don't think I ever saw him miss one tackle. You know, the thing about Studwell that gets me, and so many fans from so many teams say, this guy ought to be in the Hall of Fame. Right. And I think for Studwell, man, I think you can make a legitimate case, but I think the problem that hurts Scott Studwell is he played in an era with guys like Mike Singletary. I think Kevin Green was a linebacker for a while. They just played in an era where there were so many good linebackers. And unfortunately for most of his career, the Vikings really weren't really all that great. He was on some bad teams, Ted. He was, sadly. His rookie year, I think, was what, 76 or 77? Yeah, I think so. I think it was 77. Very last year or two of the Purple People Eaters. And then, I mean, he was on some good teams, but, like, if you look at from his career, it was mostly average to underachieving teams, unfortunately. I think I have all of his football cards in my collection. All of them, I think, except one has blood in the pants. He had blood in his pants <laughs> in every football card. Absolutely awesome, dude. Love him. Great, great, great player. Great movie, Hoosiers. And this is a great Viking show. We're in the middle of March Madness, but you know what? We are in the middle of NFL March Madness, too. What a great movie. One of the top two or three sports movies of all time. When they're going to get rid of the coach, you know, Jimmy comes down to the courthouse. Coach stays, I play. He goes, I go. I play. Coach stays. He goes, I go. And everybody shuts up. <laughs> what a great, great movie. One of Gene Hackman's 450,000 movies. <laughs> and one of his more memorable roles, too. Yes, very much so. Probably right up there, top five sports movies of all time, or is it l- lower than that? I think so. No, it's it's one of my top five. Like, if you make a list of 10 sports movies, I'm putting Hoosiers on just about every list. It's just that good of a movie. For me, it's one of those movies where I come across it, and I'm channel surfing, and it's on. The TV station stops, and that's what I watch until the middle. What about the hit the winning shot? Dennis Hopper's <laughs> jumping around on the bed. <laughs> Dry it out in the alcohol, in the alcohol <laughs> ward. He did a great job in that movie as well. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. All right. Ruby doesn't even want me to acknowledge her existence tonight, so I won't. Toots is having a bad day. <laughs> we got a great show tonight, Drewster. We got free agency hitting. We're going to talk tight ends tonight. We've got some Vikings news. 
before, oh, look at that, Jimmy K. That's right. One of the best tight ends in team history. Before yep. we get going, though, a couple of quick announcements. So next Wednesday, the 16th, yes, just a few days from now, we're going to be live. The first day of free agency, we're going to get our buddy Chris Gates on. We're going to do a Vikings Port Rewind, kind of talk about free agency, some of the big news of the day. The legal tampering period begins, I think, Monday or Tuesday, so there will be some players that will have been signed. The first wave of free agency will, will be underway. The Vikings have some moves they got to make to get under the cap, and they got decisions with players, and there's going to be some crazy ones, man. It's going to be wild. Chris Gates, I haven't talked to him in a while. Yeah, it's been a while. Although- and then. I did just receive a prize in the mail. Chris Gates donated a prize for the Viking draft show because we're going to be giving away a lot of prizes. You know that, Ted. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What what do you give? What do you donate? It's this Viking shirt with, like, the images on there, like art artwork, like Bud Grant's face and all the different faces on there. It's okay. very – it's super cool. He's wore it on the show before. I mentioned how much I liked it, and he bought one, and he's going to donate it to the prize vault. The Hawaiian shirt? Yeah. Take it out of the prize vault now. I will Venmo you $300. (laughs) So thank you, Chris, for donating to the prize vault. Thanks, Chris. So we'll be doing a live show Wednesday, and we'll have an abbreviated show next Saturday. We're going to talk about offensive line and any news that that might hit between Wednesday and whatever. So, And we have a special guest next week. we got a draft prospect that's trying to make a name for himself. We'll bring him on. We've got the interview next week with that as well. Cool. So we got a lot of stuff going on. And, you know, the one thing – oh. Wait a minute, Drew. Forgot one thing. Yeah, you, you better run Ted. with it. <laughs> run with it. Let's go. Can't believe you remembered it this week, Ted. <laughs> I'm cooler than you are. So why don't you fix your little tight end problem and light this candle? He's right. Light this candle. <coughs> <laughs> All right, I'm cooler than you are. Why don't you fix your little problems and light this candle? He's right. Let's light this candle. He surely is. Light the candle. Yes. Resume the countdown. Yes. <laughs> All right. Got a big show tonight. We're going to kick it off with a little bit of Vikings news. There's really not a whole lot going on in Vikings land. The news is going to pick up a little bit. But, Drew, one thing we all said when it was time to move on from Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman, that it was time for a change. The Vikings needed change. And that change has begun, starting with head athletic trainer Eric Sugarman. Gone. Adios. Vamanos. Bye-bye. Juice. Later. Later. Gone. Damn. You got to load it up tonight, bro. (laughs) Did you hear what I said? We voted. You're out. Eric Sugarman, certified athletic trainer Eric Sugarman. Been around the Vikings for like 16 years, long time. Oh, they probably figured part of the gloom. Now, Sugarman has had some notable accomplishments as a Vikings trainer. He's the guy that got Adrian Peterson ready to go for 2012 after he tore his ACL, MCL, and I believe his meniscus in 2011, late 2011 season. Yeah. I don't know if you remember when E.J. Henderson broke, I believe it was his femur, his upper bone in his leg. He came back to play in the NFL after that, and it had never happened before. That type of injury, an NFL player had never come back and played from before. And they actually called him the rehab that Sugarman designed became known as the Henderson Protocols in athletic rehabilitation circles. 
Sounds like a movie, the Harrison Protocols. Yeah, but he kind of has run afoul of the Vikings and some <laughs> of the players, apparently, because Afedi Adenabo, former Minnesota Vikings defensive lineman, tweeted this out, and then shortly later, shortly thereafter, Afedi Adenabo deleted his entire Twitter account. Not the tweet, deleted his t- entire Twitter account. But before he deleted it, we got a screen capture, and this is what it said. <laughs> It was my rookie year with the Vikings. I was put on the practice squad during the season, and I had a small injury and wanted to get treatment. So I asked the trainers to see me. Eric Sugarman tells me, I wish I got paid six figures to work three times a week, and then he proceeded to ignore me. This is one of many stories and counters people had with him on a regular basis. Well, there we go. Well, I don't have a problem with moving on. Whether he was a good trainer or not, I, I don't really have a problem with it. Do you? That's part of the gloom right there. If you're going to tell me there's more stories like that, I mean, that's what we don't want around here. No. Sounds like a Zimmer thing. Quasi Adolfo Mensa talked about this inclusive, collaborative environment. Very much sounds like Eric Sugarman did not foster that. People will complain, though. I know they'll complain. Oh, Vikings Twitter was, yo, oh, we all want change unless it's the guy we don't want to see leave. Then change stinks. No, Ted. (laughs) Here it is, Ted. Everybody since October, all I've been hearing, you got to clean house. Zimmer Spielman, Zimmer Spielman, Zimmer Spielman, get them out of here. Got to get them out of here. Get them out. They suck. Get the new guys in here. What do I hear today? Oh, I'm just, I don't have much. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to wait and see. I'm going to hold my breath. You can't win. Coach here says he's uh, closing practice to outsiders. Well, you just not handle this. No, so. I got this. Boys, this man's got a job to do. He wants you out of here. I best believe you better be on your way. You don't like it with Zimmer and Spielman. You don't like the new guys. Why even be a fan? If you were advocating to keep Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman, then you have every right to complain today. If you wanted (laughs) Zimmer and Spielman gone and you wanted change and you want a new direction and, and a new outlook for this organization, embrace it. Because change is coming. And Sugarman is just the first salvo in, in a line of, oh, my God, I can't believe they let that guy go. You oh. just wait. When the Vikings start making their roster decisions to get under the salary cap and get ready for the new league year in about a week or so, some of the names that you're going to see leave the Minnesota Vikings are going to be names that you won't think in a million years could have happened. Everybody, every single person that you or I has ever known is dead. Names are going to be dropping like a Jimmy Chitwood mid-range jumper. <laughs> <laughs> they are, Ted. I'll make it. <laughs> <laughs> what about Jesus wants you on the court? What did he say that one guy? Oh, oh yeah. Uh, God called. He wants you on the court. Merle, I think. Jesus wants you to play basketball, bro. Or whatever the quote was, yeah. God, God wants you on the floor. floor. Yeah, there's going to be some names going, but I don't understand it. You don't like the old, and you already don't like the new. Can we wait for the new to fail before we don't like it? I mean, it's fun. You can't embrace this new change in this new direction without expecting change in a new direction. <laughs> My team's on the floor. I'm not trying to be a, a smart aleck or anything, but if the Vikings were ever going to turn over the roster, now is the perfect time to do it because 
Quasi Adolfo Mensa and Kevin O'Connell have no loyalties and no ties to any of the players on this roster. Let me know because I'm kind of getting All tired right, of standing out of here right now. You're kicking me out? Yes. Don't come back until you learn to keep your mouth shut and listen. Which is what they need at this exactly. point. Exactly. And one of the things a lot of fans, you and myself included, have complained about for two or three years now, if not longer, is how long the Vikings have held on to players they probably should not have held on to. And some of those players aren't going to be on the Minnesota Vikings in the next week or so. And the reaction is going to be funny. I think it's going to be funny. Oh, it's going to be all over the road. And I'm glad we'll be yeah. live next week. Yeah. Speaking of which, when we go live, we're going to try to take some calls that night, I think, too. So, Yes, we are. It's going to be a fun night all the way around. But I know a lot of people will have questions about that. But I'm just telling everybody, before you start throwing in the towel, let's at least use the towel. Oh, I mean, <laughs> don't hate the album. The next album is coming out before you even listen to it. Let's listen to it and see what we got with the team. I'm excited. I don't know. So changes on the way for the Minnesota Vikings. Not a whole lot else going on right now. In the NFL, though, the NFL Combine, one of the big, big offseason events of the NFL calendar year, just finished, just wound up. There's people that love the Combine. They sit and watch it all. They watch guys lift weights, watch the guys do all their drills. I can't watch guys run phys ed class in shorts. I just, that's just not me. I can't do it. And that's understandable. There's a lot of dry, boring times. But you are a big combine guy. What were your overall impressions of the NFL combine? I like the combine because it's really tied into football and it's become mm -hmm. such an off-season thing. Yes. I watch a lot of them with the volume off because it's really annoying after a while. I like Rich Eisen. You know, he's a good dude and everything, but... You just like Rich Eisen because he went to Michigan. Yeah, that I'll give him that. And every time the Michigan player would come up on the screen, they had this really weak M, yellow. You couldn't even see it. And Eisen, every time the Michigan player would come up, can we get that graphic change? Maybe outline it <laughs> What were your overall impressions of the Combine? Did you did you like it? Is it? Did you not like it? What are your thoughts? The players that are playing themselves out and having bad combines, those are getting fewer and fewer by the year because it's guys prepare for it all year. Mm -hmm. They used to just you know, end the season, I'll go to the combine in two months. I'm going to go party for two months and go to the combine and run around some cones. At the end of the year, we have, um, we have you know, a big banquet at the, uh, at the Hilton. You load up, you party. Not like that anymore. There's guys right now that are getting ready for spring football for Ohio State and Michigan that know they're going to be going to the combine. They're practicing all that cone and weird stuff this, a, a lot of weird stuff like the 40 times i only really look at the 40 times for the corners the wideouts, and the running backs i don't look at 40 times for guards and tackle i don't it doesn't matter to me so there's not really anybody did them any disservice there's guys that did that did themselves a lot of help you know let help themselves a lot this weekend heading into the combine and and even like even towards the end of the season while football was still going on People are saying that the quarterback position really isn't strong this year for the draft. It's one of the weaker classes. You know, people have said stuff like, well, you know, Mitchell Trubisky would be the top quarterback this year, or maybe even Kellen Mond might be a first-round guy this year. After the combine, and guys like Desmond Ritter and Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis really had impressive combines from what yeah. I read, do you think the quarterback position is as weak as perceived, or has it still got problems? I probably should have summed it up by saying this is a really speedy draft with a lot of depth it's a good draft class very okay. fast every position had fast guys but in terms of the quarterback like i said when we talked about the quarterbacks there's no big name like last year 
where would Kenny Pickett be if he was coming in last year's draft with Mac Jones and all those guys? Yeah, I don't know. Where would he be? He's number one right now. That he wouldn't have been number one last year. That gives you a way to compare it. He's not going to be up there with all those guys. So it is a little bit weaker. There's no quarterbacks from this draft class that are going to come in to start right away. That's what I don't see. But there's certainly a couple guys that help themselves. I think Desmond Ritter helped himself more than any quarterback that was at the combine. Help me. Help me, Rod. Help me. Help you. Help me. Help you. Oh, Great accuracy, great in the interviews, total leader, was poised at the interviews and on the field. Great touch, great accuracy, which is one of the questions I had about him. He did himself a solid. He might have moved up to the late into the first round with that performance. All the quarterbacks did well, but they didn't like, you know, Malik Willis, we already know he has a gun. But they all need to develop in their own way. So you don't, you're not seeing a guy that you're going, all right, September, I can't wait to watch him play. I don't think, like I said many times, I don't think there's a guy that's going to be starting week one. But you know what? On the other hand, much stronger tight end class, which we're going to talk about tonight. It's mm-hmm. a much stronger interior defensive line class. And it's a much stronger interior offensive line class. So in the trenches, it's better than last year. Another strong corner group and another very strong wide receiver group. So all in all, there's more groups with this draft class that are better. Last year, we had some great corners and, uh, of course, the quarterback group. Tight end group was terrible, I thought, last year. Interior offensive line, they didn't have anybody either. So there's more across the board. There's more talent at each position. Did somebody else stand out that really vaulted themselves maybe from, I don't want to say nowhere, but into the first or maybe second round that we didn't really see prior to the combine? Of course, who stole the show was the big cat. Jordan Davis, the interior defensive lineman from Georgia. Basically all the Georgia people. Yeah. Everybody on Georgia did good. I don't know what the deal is at that (laughs) school, but they had five or six guys just shredding. But, you know, when Davis ran that 40 time and I made a post about it saying I had to rewind it to watch it again, Mm -hmm. to put it in perspective, Jordan Davis ran a 478, 341 pounds. God. In 2014, wide receiver Jarvis Landry of LSU ran a 478. And he's 135 pounds less. What you talking about? What you talking about? What you talking about? What you talking about? What you talking about, Willis? And then he leaves the 40 and goes over and sets a long jump record. He was 10 foot three. <laughs> Longest long jump by a player 330 pounds or heavier in the history of the event. Wow. Right after he did the 40. You talk about a guy that's helping himself in the draft. So he's an athletic dude is what you're telling me. He was great in the drills. You know, a lot of guys that do these drills, they... When they turn the corners, they're slipping and sliding and falling around everywhere. The guy's super athletic. He stole the combine. Can we run the 40-yard dash in Jordan Davis? Look at this dude. There was another defensive end. Amari Barno ran a 4-3-6. A defensive end, Ted. That's what I'm talking about. There were eight wide receivers in this combine class that run a 4-3-9 or better. And two of them were the Ohio State guys. The 40-yard dash was almost broken. Record. The record John Ross set. He set a record at 4-2-2. A corner ran a 4-2-3. Kalon Barnes ran a 4-2-3. Speed across the board, speed at every position. I would hate to be a tackle in the NFL with this group coming in. The edge guys are nuts, man. Is there anybody, you, you said nobody really hurt themselves. Is there anybody that did, though, that was maybe maybe not hurt themselves but didn't impress as much as you thought like going into it? You know how guys hurt themselves this year? Not by their performance being out there, not doing it. Like Matt Corral, the Ole Miss quarterback, 
Uh-huh. He wasn't involved in any of the drills. You can't really say that hurt him, but when Ritter and Willis and Howell and all these other guys shred, they move by you. But you think if he shows out at his pro day, it'll matter? Yeah, but you know what? Pro day still doesn't have the oomph that the that the combine does. I mean, it doesn't get nearly enough the reputation that the combine has doing your pro day. But I mean, there's going to be a bunch of scouts there watching Matt Corral. Yeah, and they'll probably compare the numbers to what you know to what these other guys did. But if you're not doing something and other guys are shredding, they're moving by you regardless. I agree. I think you do hurt yourself in some regard. There was so many great athletes. I like this draft class. Is there one guy? Doesn't matter the position regardless of what you think the Vikings need or don't need. But is there one player that you watched the combine and you thought to yourself, man, I really want that guy in the Minnesota Vikings. You know what? You know who's a a not-miss corner? Our player is Sauce Gardner. Yeah? Smooth and fluent in all the drills. He's one of those guys that goes through the drills and he could be like reading a book while he's catching. You know, he just (laughs) he's effortless. He's awesome. Sauce Gardner is a solid pick. Well, you think he'll be there at 12 when the Vikings go on the clock? I think he'll be there. I think okay. so. All right. He didn't do one thing bad. All the measurables, all the drills. The guy gave up 122 yards in yardage wow. last year, Ted. 13 games. Not one game. 13 games, 122 yards he, he allowed. That's impressive. Ted the fan is kind of done with the Vikings drafting cornerbacks in the first round, though. I've had it up to here with the likes of you people. I know it's a huge need, and the Vikings really don't have a lot of guys back there right now. And it kind of depends on what happens with guys like Patrick Peterson and Mackenzie Alexander. But, dude, I'm so done with the Vikings getting cornerbacks in the first round. To be honest, I was watching the defensive guys more than the offensive. because I think that this team, this team is hurting defensively. You know, one thing that was more impressive to me was the play of the linebackers. How did N'Kobe Dean look? He ran a little bit slow in the 40, but so did Devin Lloyd. That's not going to hurt him because they look so good in the drills, those two guys. Keep an eye on Trayvon Walker, the edge guy for Georgia. They got this drill with the two big dummies, (laughs) which could have been me and you. Two kinds of dumb. Guy that gets naked and runs out in the snow and barks at the moon and uh guy who does the same thing in my living room first one don't matter the second one you kind of forced to deal with you and i were not in indianapolis this past weekend my friend they got these five foot dummies you know and they line them up like four feet apart then they have the defensive line the edge guy get back and then they you know they fake snap and then Mm -hmm. you hit it with your left arm then you hit the other pad with your left arm that's basically supposed to be the the tackle blocking you and then you then they want to see your speed to the quarterback. So it's hit, hit, turn, and run to the cone. They're doing it. They're doing it. And I see Hutchinson in the back of the line. He's looking at it. He gets up there, and they snap the ball. He knocks over the dummy, runs over the other dummy, which is supposed to go around. <laughs> thought he was going to kill him. Guys, and said, well, there you go. That's what you get with. Even at the combine, a Hutchinson's wanting to kill somebody. All right. So NFL combine is in the books. Team's got to start getting down to making some hard decisions. Beginning of the league new year, which starts on Wednesday, I believe it is. We will be there live to talk about it. Yes! But right now, we're not doing trivia this week. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick commercial break. Then we'll come back with the tight end position and then wrap the show up. Looking good, Bobby. 
They look very heavy. You tired, Betty? Well, I think I could... Shh! This ain't time for talking, Betty! This is the hour of power! We're not big scary Jim. We're energy fitness clubs and we're well normal. We're back and this week our draft positional review or our Vikings offseason positional review segment continues. This week we're talking tight ends. We've talked quarterback, running back, wide receiver. We're up to tight ends now. And Drew, this is one of the more intriguing positions for the Minnesota Vikings as we head into the offseason. We'll put the guys up on the roster and we've got Irv Smith Jr., Tyler Conklin, Zach Davidson, Ben Ellison, Chris Herndon, and Luke Stocker. And of those players, Chris Herndon and Tyler Conklin are scheduled to become unrestricted free agents. Chris Herndon is going to be one of those guys that Uh, is going to be looked at for years as one of Spielman's bad decisions. They traded, for those of you that don't remember, they traded for Chris Herndon right before the season started last year after Irv Smith Jr. tore his meniscus and was deemed out for the year. They traded a fourth-round pick to the Jets to get Chris Herndon. Herndon had three catches all year. Really didn't pan out. I don't see Herndon coming back. Do you? No. Oh. <laughs> it just bugs me. It's some of those things you see in your life when you re-see it. It's like, yeah. Oh. And it's, you know, it's not Herndon's fault that the Vikings traded a no, fourth-round no, pick for him. It's probably unfair that I look at it like that. But, but yeah, the guy had a fair amount of production when he was with the Jets, and the Vikings just four passes for 40 yards, fourth-round pick. Did have a touchdown. You did have a touchdown, Ted. You are correct. I got one little quick tidbit for you. One less touchdown than you and I had last year. That's correct. I was wondering how much compared to what O'Connell had with the Rams and West Phillips, how much mm-hmm. did they use the tight end? So I looked up both teams' usages of the tight end. Mm-hmm. It was damn near identical. It was creepy, dude. Was it really? All the numbers are so close. The Vikings targeted the tight end 96 times. The Rams targeted the tight end 94 times. Vikings had 67 catches and 96 targets for 645 yards and four touchdowns. The Rams had 615 yards and five touchdowns. Tyler Conklin was the leading receiver with 61. And guess how much Higby had? 65. 61. Did he really? And both of those guys were 95% of those catches. Yeah. They barely used anybody else in the team. So what it tells me is what O'Connell... West Phillips are good with having one main go-to target, which will be your Smith. It seems like the same that what we've already done. That's my point of reading those notes up. So let's ask this about Conklin. Now, keep in mind, the franchise tag for a tight end is going to be about 11. It's like 10.8. Let's just round it up to $11 million. They're not going to drop the franchise tag on Tyler Conklin. That, that's not going to happen. Do you think he is going to be a guy the Vikings are going to want to bring back? Let's assume Irv Smith Jr. is going to be healthy and ready to go. Yes, and we want to give a shout-out to Irv Smith tonight because his father watches Vikings Report. Does he really? Irv Smith Sr. started watching us when Chuck Foreman intro our show. He made a comment about it. So, Really? Thank you for watching Vikings Report. And you know we're never going to rip on Irv Smith Jr. I hope your son is healthy and he can be a big-time producer for the Vikings this year. This is the year he's got to do it. So then you're thinking then with just kind of a go-to tight end, it's going to be... Irv Smith Jr. and the Vikings are not going to bring Tyler Conklin back. I would love to have Conklin back, Ted. He wants starter money, 8 to $10 million bucks. He's definitely deserving of that. He's earned his payday, especially what he did last year, coming in here as a backup. I think the only thing that might 
slow the money down is there's some good free agents out there. Dalton Schultz, uh, Waller, I think. Maybe that'll bring the price down a little bit for these other guys. But there's definitely teams out there that look at Tyler Conklin and go, that's our number one starter. And they can't pay him $10 million bucks a year. No. Two things Tyler Conklin has going for him is the numbers he put up last year in place of Irv Smith Jr. and the fact that he's only 26. He's a great player. So let's assume Tyler Conklin is too expensive for the Vikings to bring back. They want to go into free agency and get a guy. But when you look at the top guys like Zach Ertz and Jimmy Graham and Gronk and CJ Uzuma and Eric Ebron, those those guys are looking at, you know, money that Tyler Conklin is looking for. So you're going to have to go down sure. to like your second second tier of free agent, the two to three million dollar range. Is there anybody down there that looks enticing to you by chance to replace Conklin as like a second tight end or or do you think they're just going to go maybe with a late round draft pick or look to backfill it with a guy like Davidson Ellison or Luke Stocker Ellison is an interesting case but we'll go over that in a second I like Hayden Hurst Mm -hmm. probably bias on that because I did an extensive draft write-up on that guy when he was in college I like him Joku just got tagged at Cleveland they put the franchise tag on him Mm-hmm. Giuseppe, tremendous player. I like Jesse James, Ted. You know why? Why? Because he's got a real gunslinger attitude. <laughs> Stop it! <laughs> what about Mo Alley Cox from Indianapolis? Good player. Or Max Williams. Max Williams is a gopher. Max Williams was a guy, I mean, he's been hurt. He's got talent, but he might be a guy... Like, if, if you decide you can't afford to bring Conklin back, Max Williams might be a guy to look at. The Packers had a dude named Robert Tanyan Jr., who was lighting it up for the Packers. He tore his ACL, I think, right about midseason. Tanyan was really starting to make a name for himself when he got hurt. I agree, but he wants to be a starter. How often are they in the 12 personnel, the Vikings? I don't think it's going to be what it was with Clint Kubiak and Mike Zimmer and the emphasis on the run. I think they will, but I think it's going to be a lot more three wide receiver sets than we're used to seeing. I mean, the Vikings were one of the fewest three wide receiver set teams in the NFL the last couple of years, like 29, 30%. I think that's going to go up substantially with O'Connell. I'm looking at 51 free agents, Ted. There's only three guys on this friggin' list that had more catches than Tyler Conklin. I know. He's going to get a good payday. Ertz? Jacecki, Dalton Schultz all had more. He's a fourth guy. Conklin was the fourth best receiver on this free agent list. I think Irv Smith is a known quantity. I think he's definitely a guy they want to keep. I would think Conklin is a guy they would want to keep too, but it's, you know, we talked about the financials. Can they afford it? Or, or maybe Conklin is a guy like, no, he's got meat hooks for hands and I have 61 catches, whatever. <laughs> we want him to be more of a vertical threat, like maybe Irv Smith could be, or, or I, I don't know. You give me a player off your free agent list, that's not looking to be a starter that can come in here and take over the place of of Conklin. Kyle Rudolph. What? (laughs) Come on. Tunces. Come on. I'm kidding. But like when Kyle Rudolph got released a while back, so many Vikings fans on social media, bring him home, bring him home. (laughs) I'm so done. I am so done with old 30-something ex-Vikings Coming back to Minnesota, I'm so done with that dance. Kevin O'Connell is not going to sign Kyle Rudolph. He's just not. He's not going to sign Kyle Rudolph. That's just it. But you got to tell people, if Kyle Rudolph never played here, would you want him? No, not now. No, they wouldn't. That Ellison guy, that guy has a lot of potential, though. He's got good size, 6'3", what, 254? 
So we're not thinking free agency unless it's like a real minor move. Because if you go free agency, you might as well stick with Conklin because he's literally one of the two or three best tight end, free agent tight ends available. The only thing that the, the hardship there is the financial thing. He yeah. deserves to get paid. He yeah. deserves $8 million a year, and I don't think the Vikings are going to want to spend 8 to $10 million on a backup tight end unless they're going to have him on the field in the 12 personnel all the time. But you got two guys you're developing right now, Ted. What do you do with Ellison and Zach Davidson? I think they're going to let Conklin walk. Not that he's not a good player, but I think he's too expensive. How about Michael Pruitt? He was of old. Yeah. <laughs> we need to bring him back home, Ted. Remember? Bring him home. Bring it on home. Maybe they'll draft a guy they already think is better already than Ellison and and Zach Davidson. Well, speaking of drafts, let's go to your draft class, Drew. How about we do that? The draft class for the tight ends, which is a very, very good group. Do, 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 do. A lot better than last year. Last year was <laughs> very, very limited. Let's look at who you got. We always start out by looking at last year. Last year, there was 11 tight ends taken in the NFL draft in 2021. One in the first round, the great unicorn Kyle Pitts. Oh, that's overall, right. The greatest football player ever to get drafted already better than tony gonzalez there was one in the first one in the second our buddy who's that cloud cooking fire moves was taken <laughs> in the second round and then three in the third round so there was five taken in the first three rounds that left five taken in the first 97 selections which left the other six to be drafted in rounds four to seven which included zach davidson from central missouri who the vikings took in the fifth round number 168 overall yeah There were no tight ends taken in the sixth or seventh round last year. Wow. First time in 17 years. Really? Yes. Wow. Thought it'd be a little tasty, tasty tidbit. But that's where we stand from last year. I like this group. It doesn't have any Kyle Pitts or Friar Muth. It doesn't have any guys coming right out of the gate that are going to wow you. But it's very versatile. There's a lot of versatile players in here. I got one cat that's going to. Blow your mind. I'm kind of disappointed that Kyle Pitts didn't take the Falcons win a Super Bowl last year. Because, <laughs> you know, when you're a unicorn, you should be able to do stuff like that. Unicorn, unicorn. He's probably wondering who's going to place my bets now that Ridley's gone. <laughs> <laughs> Get a fall guy, man. Get a fall guy. Let's get into this tight end board. Let's jump right into the first one we're looking at here, Trey McBride. McBride will be the first tight end taken. Really enjoyed watching his film. It's not often that a team runs their offense through a tight end. Very rare. Colorado State did that. How about these numbers? This tight end. 90 catches, 1,121 yards. Just last year? Yes. Jeez. That Trey McBride, they ran out the whole offense through him. He was like the star of their team. Very, very good player. Very experienced receiver. Played 40 games, Colorado State. This was one of the smoothest guys at the combine. Chris Brouts, no hitches, no stumbling, catches everything. He's going to be a solid receiver at the next level. Best tight end, I think, in this class, and I think that's by far. Now, curiously, you don't have any of these guys labeled as a first-round guy. I do not think there's a tight end going to be taken in the first round, Ted. Even with McBride's combine performance, you don't think that's good enough to get him into the first round? No, because I think a mix of positional needs by other teams and then the amazing amount of talent okay. in the first round. At other positions. Yeah, there's and there's so many good players. I don't think anybody's going to want to step up and take a tight end. Okay. I really like Trey McBride. Not really much wrong with his game that I saw. All these guys need to work on their blocking. So I don't want to say it for every player. 
Mm -hmm. Inline blocking, you don't get a lot of footage on it because most of the footage I find is them receiving the ball. So you don't get to really break down how good of a blocker they are on the line or anything. But, uh, you know, most of the scouting reports say decent blocker. He's got a 72% block rate on draft buzz. But Trey McBride is one of those guys, you dropped him, you're going to be able to work with him. He's going to end up being a starting tight end. He's really good. Okay. We've got for number two. Uh, you got Jalen Weidermeyer. 6'5", 255, and I think he ran a four seven one. Here's a tidbit on Texas A&M. The Texas A&M has had just 11 tight ends taken in the history of the draft. Really? That's crazy. They've never had a first-round tight end taken in the draft. The last one was Martellus Bennett. Remember him? I do, yeah. He doesn't have the hands of McBride, Ted, but he's more of a chunk tight end guy, more of a Vernon Davis type guy. McBride isn't much on the long speed. This is the guy you want for the long speed. Great route runner. 40 catches, 515 yards, and four touchdowns with Texas A&M. Just very athletic. And a guy that can catch 50-yard bombs. <laughs> so that always stands out on my board. So let me put this bug in your ear. Jalen Wiedermeyer, Texas A&M. Kellen Mond, Texas A&M. Yeah. Jared Johnson, Vikings quarterback coach. Texas A&M. Gig him! <laughs> Gig him! <laughs> that, that's a good connection, Jen. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Just throwing that out there. I don't think it means anything, but I think it's interesting that there's a Texas A&M connection there. Isaiah Likely. Here we go, Ted. Coastal Carolina. My first question to you is, Isaiah Likely is a very good player, by the way. Coastal Carolina. I didn't know the nickname, so I had to look. Do you know what their nickname is? The Chanticleers. Oh, my God. Bam. Bam, 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 bam. Pronounce Chanticleers. Chanticleers. Okay. Because I asked somebody and I got yelled at online. I still got it. I still got it right. It's a rooster, Ted. Yeah, it is. Now, I imagine he's going to be the first one to practice every week. <laughs> Ian, he's a, never mind. <laughs> not, <laughs> not much of a blocker. If you're looking for a blocking tight end, this isn't going to be the guy you're going to be taking. But he's yeah. a hell of a receiver. we got good footage on him as we're rolling it right here. But some of these guys are just exceptional pass catchers, which we didn't have last year. Does need to learn, pick up the pace on the blocking a little bit. Had some good numbers with Coastal Carolina. 59 catches, 912 yards, and 12 touchdowns, Ted. 12. Wow. Wow. That is great. That was number one in the Sunbelt Conference, which is, I know it's very important to you, that Sunbelt Conference. Uh, it's not that it's the Sunbelt. I just, <laughs> <laughs> I think guys that play, like Weidemar plays at Texas A&M. Yeah. Um, Kate Otten plays at the Pac-12. Jeremy Ruckert at Ohio State. Guys in those Power Five conferences, I sort of take numbers from a like the Sun Belt or the WAC with a grain of salt just because the level of competition. Those guys can be playing across from a dude that, that has not even close to NFL skill and could just pile up numbers. His 12 touchdowns may have been five or six in the Big Ten. Maybe, yeah. I, I hear what you're saying. I like, likely... The best thing about him is he's one of those deceptively fast guys that knows how to get open. He's mm -hmm. like sneaky quick to getting open. And I think a lot of people look at him and don't really look at, oh, I'm not really worried about this guy, but he has a real good knack for that. And I like that with players. Tight ends and receivers who somehow can find the soft spot in the zone and catch passes. Somebody's going to be happy getting likely. He's a good player. Next, Kate Otten, your boy from Washington, 6'5", 250. First thing before we get started on Kate Otten, we've got to put up his picture. Look at that, Ted. Whew. Have you ever seen a happier individual human being in all your life to be entering the draft? Look at Cade Otten's photo. Looks like he's living in some tall 
Kate Otten. (laughs) (laughs) Only 28 catches for 250 yards and one touchdown. But he's also another guy that's sneaky quick and has good change of direction and gets open. He's your old school, big prototype, old tight ends like Gronk, you know, like the bigger guy. He just looks like a tight end. Mm-hmm. A lot of these guys are starting to look like receiver slash tight wide receiver slash tight ends. He's your old school dude. He's really solid in the blocking game and the receiving game. Kind of a nasty disposition. Kind of mean to people. Plays after the whistle. Gets some penalties now and then. But I don't mind that. I like guys that play with a little bit of intensity. Really good run blocker. Very focused player. He's drawing a big interest from the Seahawks. The Seahawks are in love with him. He's a good receiver. I like Kate Otten. Jeremy Ruckert might be one of the best tight ends in this draft i got the viking alert on him dude i am fully fully impressed by this guy's tape and the fact that he played with two number one hideouts that hurt his production just because he couldn't get the ball because all those no all those other guys got the ball he never got to play enough but i didn't see any glitches in his game ted that's the thing with Rucker. you look at his numbers you're like man they didn't throw him the ball a lot well you're right but considering this past year they had jackson smith and jigba Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, all 1,000-yard receivers. In 2019, they had guys like K.J. Hill and Benjamin Victor and Austin Mack, and they, they just have had tremendous wide receiver production to the point Ohio State didn't need to throw to the tight end. But I'll tell you, if you want to get a good feel at Rutgers game, look at the 2020 national semifinal game against Clemson. It was the COVID year and, and all that stuff, and Ohio State had, had had it handed to them by Clemson. And Ryan Day made a concerted effort to target the tight end early. Jeremy Ruckert had probably his best game as a Buckeye. He caught a couple touchdown passes. He, he made a couple one-handed catches. He was open, and he got the ball a lot that night. And I, I think it was a glimpse of what he could be in an offense if you want to use him or focus on the tight end position. He kind of reminded me when I watched his tape of Conklin because he seemed to catch everything that came his way. And after he caught it, he wasn't just going to the ground. He was looking to make more yardage. And I like that. I don't think he's as big as Conklin. And I think he's a little bit quicker than Conklin. And he may have a little bit better hands. He is limited on his routes. He doesn't run a lot of routes. He runs like three routes. But, you know, you get taught routes at the next level. But what I like about him also is that he didn't give up and transfer in this portal that everybody's looking into. In high school, he caught... 3,100 yards receiving and 37 touchdowns. Wow. Gatorade Player of the Year in the state of New York. Ruckert was number 31 on the ESPN 300. Now, to be a tight end and be number 31 on the ESPN Top 300, that's nuts, Ted. Mm -hmm. That means he's one of the most sought-after tight ends in the nation. He knew he was going to be playing on an offense that's going to veer the ball off to the wide receivers all the time, and he stayed. Mm-hmm. There's got to be something said for people's attitude when they give the extra mile and don't just give up. He could have give up. He could have went and been a rooster. Yeah. He caught 100 touchdowns for Coastal Carolina. Could have been a rooster, but he stayed, Ted. So who else you got on your list you want to talk about? The one guy in here we got to take. I mean, Cole Turner's on the Viking alert from Nevada, 6'6", 246. I'm going to give you this guy. This guy's crazy, dude. Fastest time at the combine by far for a tight end. Chigozia Mokonkwu, number nine on my list. 242, ran a 452. This guy's awesome, Ted. Look at these highlights when we throw them up here. As you'll notice, the first two highlights that I've cut out on this reel aren't receiving highlights. They're him running the jet sweep at Maryland. 
And look at him with the ball in his hands. That guy is crazy good in the open field. That stood out to me, but he could also catch the ball. But I wanted to put a couple highlights of him running with the football. The fastest 40 time, like I said, at the combine, he had 52 catches, 447 yards, and five touchdowns for the Terrapins. One of the most intriguing guys I did research on. And I would like the Vikings to take a shot at Chigo. Do you think that, like, there's always a run on positions? Do you think for whatever reason... I mean, there's hardly ever a run on tight ends, like early rounds. Do you foresee that with the tight end position, or do you think these guys are going to be around and there's going to be a good mid-round talent available for Minnesota if they choose to go in that direction? From 9 down to 15, I'd say uh is the best tight end of that group. Okay. I don't know if he's going to make it to the 5th. If he does make it to the 5th, then the Vikings are really serious about not having Davidson or Ellison, and looking for somebody they really like. Remember all these guys, like you said, these aren't O'Connell's guys, Mensa's guys. They might be looking to start new at a lot of different positions. Jelani Woods from Virginia, 44 catches, 598. He did the most bench reps at the combine last week. He did uh, 24 reps. He's a very, very good tight end. Cole Turner, like I said, Daniel Bellinger, the San Diego State, very versatile. Another giant, 6'6", 255. There's like three six six guys. Land of the Giants for tight ends this year, Ted. Wow. James Mitchell. There's a guy, another guy you want to target. I, I do think that all these guys are going to be available in the fifth round. The thing that could possibly hurt the Vikings, and we've talked about this, we mentioned earlier with the Chris Herndon trade, that fourth round pick, the Vikings are not going to have that. So if they were potentially looking for a tight end in the middle rounds, they may have to go early if they want to get a guy like you were talking about, a Conquil. Or if not, they're going to have to settle for a guy probably later that would be more of a developmental dude. Maybe we could trade Herndon and get a fourth rounder for him. Well, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent, so oh, that's nice right, try. That's right. I think there will be a run on him, but I think there's going to be guys that are drafted in the sixth and seventh round that, you know, last year there wasn't any tight ends taken in the last few rounds. That's going to change this year. Yeah. Oh, when you're talking about land of the Giants, that's not even the tallest guy on my top 15. Who's that? Austin Allen from Nebraska, Ted, 6'9", 255. I mean, come on. 6'9", 255, about 38 passes for 602 yards. He's a matchup nightmare. There's a guys with a lot higher ceiling in this year's draft class for tight ends than last year. There is. Some of these guys are going to be badass. And you like the overall talent in this year's class than, than last year's by far. Oh, yeah, leaps and bounds, Ted. But last year had a unicorn. This class doesn't have one. Yeah, but they got a shot to clear. <laughs> no unicorn, but a shot to clear. All right. Anything else you want to say before we wrap up this segment? There's a lot of information on all these other guys, but I don't want to bore people to death with all the information. Charlie Kolar is a great player. Dulcich from UCLA. My buddy Nubs has him as number two. I got him in number seven. He loves Dulcich. So it's a crapshoot all the way across the board, but. I'm really anxious to watch and see where these guys go this year, Ted. So hopefully if the Vikings are in line for a tight end, they pick up Jeremy Ruckert. And if they want to make sure you want to get him, you want to get him in the first round. What? You might want to get him in the first round. Ted. (laughs) I kid, I kid. If they took Jeremy Ruckert in the first round, even I would be mad. I think with no trivia this week, I think that's about a wrap for our show. Once again, folks, I, I want to say thanks for watching. Thanks for subscribing. We're like at 70, what, what are we at? Like 7,300 subscribers now. Thanks to everybody who's been watching. Ruby, I know you've been busy, so thanks for putting this together. And hopefully we'll get some trivia next week when you're not so busy. Drewster, thanks for bringing the heat on these draft prospects. Don't forget, next week we've got two shows. We've got our regular show that will air on Saturday. we got a really nice surprise. We're going to be interviewing an offensive line prospect looking at the draft. 
We've also got our live show next Wednesday at the kickoff of free agency, and we'll recap all the Vikings news and, and moves that have been made up to that point. I got nothing else, Juicer. Why don't you take us home? Who's your favorite tight end? And so we're doing tight ends tonight. Who's your favorite tight end in Viking history? I mean, most people are going to say Steve Jordan, but man, I love Jim Kleinsaucer. I got to interview Jim Kleinsaucer once. It was like one of the top two or three highlights of my blogging slash writing career. Steve Jordan was an amazing player. He was yeah. the first of the hybrid tight ends. He kind of introduced it to the league. So yep. he's probably number one on my list. My number two guy, I had to go Joe Sensor, man. That guy was so good before he got hurt. So overlooked in Vikings history, too. Only Viking tight end to ever get 1,000 yards receiving in a season. Ted, always bringing information, man. Thank you to everybody who subscribes and you're watching the show tonight. Episode 55, the Scott Studwell episode, is in the books. Ted, thank you, as, as always, for the great job with your uh, your hosting here and carrying me, Tunces. Excellent work behind the scenes. You had a bad day. Everybody give it up for Tunces. She had a bad day today, but she's right here with us. We will see you next Wednesday for our live show with Chris Gates. will be here. That's it for me. That's all I got tonight, Ted. Say good night, Ted. Good night, Ted. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-da-ba-da-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-